The following podcast will contain foul language and spoilers, and if we're lucky, sex, violence, nudity, and triggers. Listener discretion is advised. Oops. <laughs> Should I get rid of that? Welcome to the Everett Book Club. We are a twice-monthly book review and discussion podcast specializing in old or out-of-print science fiction and fantasy. My name is Ruiz Tremello, and I sleep on a bearskin rug literally every single night. And my name is Marguerite, and I'm definitely not 20 cats dressed up like a human plotting world domination. Together we travel the world administering Turing tests. And this week we're in Neo Rio de Janeiro, a town in eastern Norway. One little known fact about Neo Rio de Janeiro is that it's home to the world's first intercontinental pneumatic tube, an elevator that runs the Earth's core connecting Neo Rio to Old Rio in Brazil. That's right, Marguerite, though locals actually call it the Earth Shaft. Only you call it that, Ruiz. That's right, the term is gaining in popularity, you're right. But enough about the Earth Shaft because we're actually here today to discuss Gleaners by Clifford D. Simak from the year 1960. This is a short story that's taken from the same collection that last week's story came from, The Frozen Planet and Four Other Science Fiction Novellas, published by McFadden Books in 1966. And the byline on this was, How much longer could man retain his mastery of the universe in a world dominated by machines and invaded by alien creatures? But then when you flip over the back of the book, the machine decided who would live and who would die. (laughs) Oh, I answered that question. And neither of those plots concern today's story. (laughs) So, Marguerite, last week you described the cover Mm -hmm. for our listeners. I did. This week it's my turn to describe the back of the book. Ooh. Which has the very same picture that's from the front, except in sepia tones. Oh, yeah. A robot standing with his back to some kind of portal and some kind of figure coming through the portal, kind of. I don't know. It's a mess. So today's story is Gleaners, a odd title, which will be explained as we go into the story. This takes place in the modern era. Our modern era? A.K.A. the 1960s plus a couple decades. (laughs) Okay. Where technology has advanced just enough that time travel exists, but there's not a lot of other information about the nature of the world or its technology level. Hmm. And you'll see why shortly. Hmm. Because basically, this entire story takes place inside of one building. Oh. And most of which is inside of one room. Huh. So we'll get to the opening sentences of Gleaners. He went sneaking past the door. The lettering on the door said, Executive Vice President projects and down in the lower left corner halleck spencer in very modest type that was him he was halleck spencer he was sneaking past his own door that's correct and his name is halleck (laughs) and so our hero halleck is arriving at work at the offices of past incorporated and dreading starting his work day because quote there'd be people waiting for him oh i hear you buddy no one in particular but people. Mm-hmm. And each of them with problems. Ugh, people. So he goes around the corner of the hallway to a door marked private. Because it turns out that his office has a secret back door that bypasses his waiting room, where mm. the previously mentioned people will be waiting. Yeah. Ugh. Spencer, also known as Halleck. Really? His name is Halleck Spencer. Oh, okay. You're right. 
Sneaks into his office by the back door and finds a dirty man in a toga and armed oh. with a short sword sitting behind his desk, dirty feet propped up on the desktop. People, people and their damn problems. Hello, EJ, says Spencer. Sneaking in again, EJ accuses. Of course. Quote, the waiting room is a trap. <laughs> with all those people ready to pounce. And uh, Halleck goes on to ask if EJ has just returned from the past. EJ tells him no, he actually hasn't left yet. So Spencer checks the schedule on the wall and says, Oh, yes, you're a Roman trader. Trader? T-R-A-D-E-R. Okay. That's what I am, said EJ. At least, costumes says so. I hope to God they're right. <laughs> when Halleck points out the sword, EJ says, Back in Roman Britain, on a Roman road, with a pack train loaded down with goods, man has got to carry steel. Obviously, that's a good advice for any time period. Then EJ pulls out the sword and says, But I don't mind telling you, it's no great shake of a weapon. <laughs> I suppose you'd feel safer with a Tommy gun, Halleck stated. Or a laser. EJ, pew, pew, pew. EJ nodded glumly. Yes, I would. Lacking that, said Halleck, we do the best we can. You'll pack the finest steel in the second century, if that's any comfort. It isn't. <laughs> And so, after a moment of awkwardness, EJ says he actually wants out of Family Tree. Family Tree? You'll find out. Okay. <laughs> Halleck protests, saying Family Tree is easy. All you have to do is go back in time, talk to people, and check some records. Ugh, that's the worst. He's had harder missions, and it's not like he has to steal anything. And EJ confirms that the work isn't the problem. He's fine with time traveling. The problem is that when he gets back, he has to give a briefing to their client... Alma Wrightson Graves, who was hired past Incorporated to research her family tree. Okay, yep. So apparently she hasn't been too happy with the last few reports, because <laughs> hearing that a few of her previously illustrious ancestors had fallen upon impoverished times has bothered her. Oh my. Mm-hmm. EJ is worried as well that he'll, he's going to find a family connection back to Rome. And then he'll be stuck going back to Rome forever, constantly researching no, her family no. tree. He can always lie. Your family is dead. You have no more ancestors. <laughs> so Halleck grants his request, saying once he's back from the currently scheduled trip, he'll be reassigned so he doesn't always have to go to Rome. EJ finally takes his dirty feet from Halleck's desktop. Halleck asks EJ if he's ever found a place in the past where he'd like to stay. Hmm. EJ says yes, but he'll always come home to the present. But it turns out, in the last ten days, three past incorporated operatives haven't returned from the past. Ooh, I wouldn't want to stay in the past. The past sounds dirty and smelly. And full of diseases. <laughs> and full of diseases. And superstition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and potential murder for women. Oh. I feel like I wouldn't be safe in the past. That's probably true. Too modern. EJ's surprised because he's lived over a year in the last ten days. Hmm. You'll find out a little bit more of that in a second. So he's a little bit squirrely about his chronology. Turns out that every single mission that past incorporated operatives go on, they spend anywhere from days to months in the past, but only ever miss 60 seconds of time in the present. Huh, interesting. EJ asks, quote, Garside been giving you a hard time, maybe? Losing too many of the men? <laughs> Three of them in ten days, that's, that's uh, yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, I'd be giving someone a hard time about that too. Hell no, said Halleck bitterly. You could always get more men. Oh. It's the machines that bother him. Oh, of course. He keeps reminding me they cost a quarter million each. Typical bureaucrat. EJ made a rude sound with his lips. 
Get out of here, yelled Halleck, and see that you come home. And don't lose any of that equipment. It's expensive, you know. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't want to be leaving future tech in the past. Oh, that's the biggest part of it. EJ grinned and left, giving the toga a girlish flirt as he went out the door. <laughs> uh-huh. Left alone, Halleck Spencer paces his office, obsessed with the three men who are missing in the last ten days. Halleck blames himself for the disappearances, since he's the one who makes the schedules and assigns travelers to various missions. So after guilting himself for a while, he looks at today's schedule. EJ is going to Roman Britain for the Family Tree Project. Nickerson is going to the Italian Renaissance seeking Vatican treasure. <laughs> Hennessy is seeking lost documents in medieval Spain. And Williams is going back to snatch a missing Picasso. Oh. Halleck wonders for a bit about what it would be like to travel in time, recalling that travelers report a feeling of unreality, of not quite belonging. But Halleck had his chance to be a traveler, and he failed the psychological tests. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but someday, maybe someday, he can go on a vacation to the past. But for now, sigh. There's work to do. There's the option to vacation in the past. This seems like a recipe for uh, changing the past. And recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. So, there's work to do, and he buzzes his secretary into the office, Miss Crane. She's described as a leathery old woman <laughs> who is indispensable, having been with Past Incorporated for over 15 years before there even was a projects department. Hmm. She also never smiles, Aww. constantly sniffs at distasteful things. It's probably all the people she has to deal with. And is always giving her opinions. No, outrageous. Which makes Halleck want to do the opposite of whatever she suggests. Ugh, a woman giving opinions. Miss Crane comes into the office and chides Halleck for sneaking in the back door, then announces his visitors in the waiting room. Oh no, people. Ah, oh, not people. We have three people. We have Dr. Aldous Ravenholt from the... Three people is too many people. We have Aldous Ravenholt from the Foundation for Humanity. Halleck flinches at the name. A Mr. Stuart Cabell, a job applicant sent up from personnel. And Mr. Boone Hudson, an old man who seems impatient and isn't stating his business. Typical old man. I'm ready to die. Let's get this on the go. <laughs> nice. Miss Crane specifically says that Halleck should see Mr. Hudson first, the angry old man. Mm, I would get him out of there. And He's got better things to do. And so Halleck says, send in Dr. Aldous Ravenholt. Ugh. From the Foundation for Humanity. But he's the one he flinched at. A rather pompous man strolls in, eager to discuss the pending request put in for Project God. Oh, that's ominous. A comprehensive search for the origins of all religions in the past. Oh, wow, that would take a lot of work. Halleck tells him, no, it's actually not a pending request at all because Project God has been turned down. Mm, smart. Quote, First of all, it'd be too time-consuming. <laughs> Definitely. As you know, our license specifies that we donate 10% of our operating time to public interest projects. And he goes on to say that the proposal for Project God would take up all of their time for years to come at the expense of dozens of smaller projects. No kidding, and it would cause, like, social strife, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. 
Dr. Ravenhold protests, but Halleck goes on a rant about how the general public really isn't interested in the truth about religion. <laughs> they really, really aren't. And how dangerous it would be to send religious people to go into the past to investigate prophets and messiahs. Yeah, you know what they would do. Those observers wouldn't be able to stay objective, and they'd run the risk of changing the past. Exactly. They argue for three pages, but Halleck says he won't touch Project God with a ten-foot pole. <laughs> would that pole be, like, T-shaped? Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot crucifix. <laughs> Dr. Ravenholt leaves, still convinced that the project is worthwhile, and still determined to convince someone at Past Incorporated to undertake it, no matter what Halleck Spencer thinks. In the wake of the argument with Ravenholt, Halleck feels drained, but tells Miss Crane he'll see the job applicant next, Mr. Cabell. Problem is, in the time between Miss Crane leaving the office and her telling Mr. Cabell to go in, Halleck glances at a file on his desk from the Dirty Tricks Department. What? <laughs> and he goes into an instant rage and runs from his office up two flights of stairs and straight to the office of Rogers. The prank department. From Dirty Tricks, yes. Turns out that Rogers has approved a contract for filming the burning of Rome during the time of Nero. Oh, wow. And Halleck is furious, saying it's far too dangerous to send film technology to such an event. Mm-hmm. Rogers isn't convinced, but Halleck insists the crowds will be riotous while Rome is on fire, rumors will be flying everywhere, and people will be on the lookout for suspicious people, you know, like camera crews from the future. <laughs> Foreigners. Halleck says that Dirty Tricks will pretty much approve anything. <laughs> oh, Wow. And Rogers protests, saying, no, actually it's Sales who will approve anything. <laughs> he goes on to say, just the other day, Sales had sent a woman to Dirty Tricks with her Ooh, proposal. A woman! Uh, oh my. With her proposal being to send her children back to the 19th century... <laughs> oh, these little bastards need a lesson. <laughs> I'm sending them back to the past. I hope they don't return. <laughs> <laughs> to send her children back to the 19th century farm of her great-great-grandfather for an educational summer vacation. I knew it. And she didn't understand why it was a bad idea. <laughs> and in fact, Sales had also approved some journalists who wanted to interview famous kings and emperors. Oh my and yes, it was even Sales who approved big game hunters who wanted to go murder some dinosaurs. Oh, wow. Halleck is surprised, since Sales should know the only people who ever get sent back to the past are the employees of Past Incorporated who are specially trained. And a few other times where random people have been allowed to the past, they've gone in full expeditions and never on their own. This pretty much sounds like the government. One department's like... I totally agree to this thing and the mm. other department's like you didn't contact us <laughs> rogers agrees to cancel the contract to film the burning of rome and halleck heads back to his office he has a quick chat with operations over the phone where he's told that williams is back having successfully snagged the picasso snatched yes from the past also it took him six weeks to steal a picasso yeah one amateur Nickerson and EJ are also about to leave for their projects, but EJ is arguing with Doug about exactly when he should arrive. Alex says that Doug knows more about it than EJ ever will, so stop arguing, goddammit. <laughs> Alex chides himself for getting too worked up, then peruses the personnel file for the job applicant. Stuart Belmont Cabell, age 27. 
The lanky youngster has a doctorate in sociology and wants more than anything else in the world to be a time traveler working for Past Incorporated. So Halleck has Miss Crane send Cabell in. And when the kid sits down, he's awkward and shy. So Halleck decides to start thinking about when he was in Cabell's position, applying for the very same job. And he starts telling Cabell all about it, saying, <laughs> quote, I wasn't good enough. My attitudes were wrong. Wow. Remember bitter. that psychology test he failed? Mm-hmm. Psychological test? The job applicant, Stuart Cabell, doesn't really know what to say. Yeah, really. So Halleck looks him in the eye, quote, He saw the old hope and hunger in the eyes of the man across the desk, and something else besides. Something vaguely disturbing. <laughs> and so Halleck starts a sales pitch that seems to be designed to talk Cabell out of wanting the job. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that the opposite of what job interviewers are supposed to do? Ordinarily. Saying, quote, You should know. If you come in with us, you'll probably be dead of advanced old age within five years. You'll probably die. Cabell nods, saying personnel told him as much. But Halleck continues. We're always short of travelers. We run through them too fast. That's so funny. We were actually talking about that last night, about if you time travel. Mm-hmm. That you would age disproportionately to Everyone your, else. Yeah. Yeah, like this. family and friends. Yeah, if Nickerson went to go snatch a Picasso, he spent six weeks in the past, even mm-hmm. though only 60 seconds went by in the present. Mm-hmm. Halleck goes on to say that most travelers never get married because they live patchwork lives scattered through many eras, and sometimes they don't return from the past. <laughs> they never return. And we lose a lot of people to the past. Past Incorporated works to prepare travelers for whatever eventualities they may face in the past, but... To be honest, most travelers describe the experience as completely alien, as though they're on a different planet entirely. What a surprise. Quote, One would think, said Cabell, that you would like to scare me out of this. Well, to be fair, you probably should warn him of the realities. Oh, hell yeah. You should scare him. You're going to be a dead of old age in five years. Well, and all the dangers in the past. Mm -hmm. Halleck denies trying to talk him out of it, saying, quote, I tell you this because I want no misunderstanding. Yeah, exactly. It costs a lot to train a traveler. We must get our costs back. We do not want a man who will stay with us just a little while. So how do they get paid? Oh, I guess it's just people like that lady who's researching her family family tree. tree. Plus, they also snatch treasures from the past. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You'll find out a little bit more about that in a bit. (laughs) All right. He says, we do not want a man who will stay with us just a little while. We don't want a year or two from you. We want your entire life. We'll take you and we'll wring you dry of every minute. Wow. Halleck continues saying that most travelers are very well paid and they get six weeks vacation per year. Ooh. But most don't even travel extensively with their time off. They just wander around the place where they live, getting reacquainted with their own era. Well, yeah, that makes sense because they're on vacation. Not vacation, but you're like traveling all the time. Cabell says he's not bothered by anything he's been told so far. So Halleck tells him the next thing he has to be aware of. Never get involved. Travelers, he says, wield extraordinary power since they could potentially change the past. So no matter what they see or experience, they always need to resist the temptation to get involved in local events. Hmm. Quote, so far as I know, Mr. Cabell, no one has succumbed to these temptations. Yeah, right. (laughs) But I live in terror of the day when someone does. Uh, When somebody sires their own... Grandfather. Grandfather. (laughs) Halleck thinks for a bit about the men who haven't come back. And he's seemingly surprised that the timeline is intact. The present hasn't been changed. Mm -hmm. 
And Cabell's just sitting across the desk awkwardly for a while before asking if everything's okay because Halleck's been quiet for way too long. And Halleck says he fully expects that someday someone will come up with a formula for traveling into the past and interfering safely. And on that day, they'll have far more work cut out for them. Mm, what's the point? He goes on to say, quote, At the moment, we are little more than gleaners. We go into the past to pick up the gleanings, the things that they lost or threw away. How do they know that, like, stealing items from the past isn't going to affect Cabell says, the future? Oh, like the Alexandria manuscripts. And Halleck says, quote, We couldn't grab the stuff until it was on the very verge of burning. We can't deprive even so much as a single person the chance of even glancing at a single manuscript. We can't lift a thing until it's lost. Oh, okay. So that's the rule. Halleck starts babbling a bit more about a famous tapestry they took and how someone kept going back to the past to constantly check on it. Oh, yeah. Before determining, oh, yeah, you know, it's definitely lost to history. We'll take it now. Yoink. Halleck starts babbling a bit more and then says he's talking too much and probably boring Cabell. Who responds, a talk like that could never bore him. Because <laughs> I want this job. He still dreams of being a traveler. So, Halleck tells him to leave. Get out. Cabell's confused as to what he did wrong, since personnel basically told him he already had the job. Oh. And Halleck tells him he hasn't made up his mind yet, so Cabell should come back this afternoon. Hmm. And on the way out, Cabell warns Halleck there's a man in the waiting room. An old man who seems angry. Yeah, because he had to wait forever. And he's a man that Cabell recognizes. You see, the angry man in the waiting room... is himself. ...has some kind of association with a stripper who dances at the Golden Hour. What? <laughs> a dancer named Silver Star with two R's. Of course. Though he thinks that may not be her real name. Oh, yep. <laughs> Cabell leaves and Halleck thinks there was something fishy about him. The old man? The Cabell. The job applicant oh the look in his eyes was disturbing and his shyness seemed faked and <laughs> halleck dismisses the thoughts as paranoid no that's probably good instincts go with them and is about to buzz miss crane to send in the angry old man <laughs> send in the angry old man when suddenly ackerman runs into the room ackerman is one of the technicians who sends people into the past and he comes into Halleck's office and dumps a white rabbit with a pink bow onto Halleck's desk. I can see why Halleck wants to sneak into his office. He's constantly being bombarded people. with people and people their problems. Everywhere. <laughs> so he dumps a white rabbit with a pink bow on Halleck's desk. Quote, For Christ's sakes, Ackerman, what's the matter with you? It isn't Easter yet. <laughs> what? Well, that's the only time of the year you give your boss a live <laughs> rabbit as an Easter gift. With a bow. Ackerman confesses. The rabbit is actually from Nickerson, one of the travelers. And it came with a note. Basically, Nickerson has found a place in the past to live his life out comfortably, and he's decided to stay. But unlike the last three travelers who kept their quarter-million-dollar time travel rigs with them in the past, Nickerson sent his back to the present with the rabbit inside. Yep, that's smart. And the note also says, please take care of the rabbit, because it's a <laughs> beloved pet. Aww. Halleck is annoyed, but also happy that he's not out of another quarter million dollars. Well, that's the only thing they care about. And then, the phone rings. It's Garside, Halleck's boss. You see, Garside has spoken to Ravenholt about Project God. And Ravenholt is furious that Halleck is still blocking the proposal. 
Garside and Halleck argue for a while, and then the argument ends with Halleck shouting, Do it then! Don't just sit there shooting off your face. Come down and fire me! (laughs) Shooting off your face. Shooting off your face. Halleck is pissed off. Convinced that after 15 years with Past Incorporated, today was probably going to be his last day. Especially if people keep pushing Project God on him. (laughs) Enough with Project God. And so, he reaches for the intercom. To tell Miss Crane to let the angry old man in, finally. Because <laughs> he's definitely not gotten angrier over that entire time. When the back door to his office flies open and yet another interruption interrupts oh, him. Oh, this is the worst. I am really empathetic towards this man. And in comes Doug, saying, come quick, to the operations room. So you remember uh, EJ, the man in the toga from the yeah. beginning? Yeah. yeah. So it turns out he came back from the past um, with a... Uh, Girlfriend? He's come back pretty drunk. Oh. And he brought with him an equally drunk barbarian. Oh, no. This is my new best friend, Dave. (laughs) One of the ancestors for the family tree project he's been working on. He brought back an ancestor. That's why you shouldn't get drunk in the past. (laughs) EJ and the unnamed barbarian are drunk and happy. They've brought beer with them and want everyone to join the party. To quote Doug, we got to send him back, Chief. EJ's got to take him back. Of course. Jesus. Halleck shakes his head and says, I don't know if we can. Why not? I'll put it up to legal. What? You have to. He says to keep the barbarian there and to keep his presence a secret. Doug replies immediately that everyone there is a blabbermouth. So Halleck just leaves. Okay, so barbarian's super drunk. If they're concerned about the barbarian, like, seeing stuff he's not supposed to see, he's drunk. He's not going to remember. That's true. Just send him back. (laughs) Otherwise, he might be changing the future. What if he doesn't sire people he's supposed to... Yeah, the longer you keep him there, the more he's going to sober up and start to remember things. And also not do the things he's supposed to do in the past. Mm -hmm. So finally, finally Halleck gets back to his office. And as he opens the door to the back door of his office, (laughs) he runs into Miss Crane rushing out. Turns out that the angry old man in the waiting room has died. Oh, I call, oh, how did I call this? <laughs> Bizarre. Because <laughs> he was waiting for too long. I know. His name was Boone Hudson, and Miss Crane reports he turned all red, got super angry, then stood up and said, tell your Mr. Spencer, and then collapsed dead. Oh, died of anger. Mid-sentence. Halleck enters his waiting room to find the dead Mr. Hudson sprawled across the carpet. Oh, someone's going to have to clean that up. So Halleck orders Miss Crane to lock the doors so nobody else strolls in. Should have done that to begin with. And then to call both the police and the legal department. But while Miss Crane is locking the door, Halleck notices that Mr. Hudson has collapsed on top of a portfolio. And maybe the portfolio has a clue for the reason for his visit. Should have listened to Miss Crane. <laughs> so while Miss Crane's back is turned, Halleck pulls the portfolio out from under Hudson's body and then slides it across the floor under the door to his office. He couldn't just carry it? No, he doesn't want uh, Miss Crane to know that he's just uh, been sneaky. Oh. And stealing the dead old man's belongings. <laughs> looting? And so while We Mi- call that looting. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And so while Miss Crane calls both the police and the legal department, Halleck goes into his office and opens Hudson's portfolio. Inside are three documents. The first is a manifesto titled... A study of ethics involved in traveling in time. This hasn't been studied before? The second one is a series of scientific-looking notes 
And third is full of diagrams and charts, and it's titled... What's scientific looking? Like charts. <laughs> Big words. The periodic table of the elements. <laughs> That's scientific looking. A anatomy charts. <laughs> Pictures of uranium. <laughs> Pictures of Uranus. <laughs> and the third is titled A New Concept of the Mechanics of Time Travel. Halleck takes the second and third documents and slips them into his desk, then puts the ethics of time travel back into In the, the portfolio. <laughs> oh, nice. Back into the portfolio and sneakily slides it back under Mr. Hudson's body. Wow. Miss Crane reports that the police are on the way, and she's calling legal now. Halleck grunts in a reply and heads back to his office, closing the door behind him. At his desk, he opens the third document, a new concept of the mechanics of time travel, and Halleck is shocked to discover a brand new method for sending people into the past. But hmm. not actual people, just their patterns. Through matter transference. Oh, like a teleporter or a transporter. The new technology outlined in the document will solve several problems because no longer will they need to send people's bodies into the past, only their patterns. Just their essences. Meaning it'll cost less, be safer, the travelers won't age physically when oh, they're in the past. Brilliant. And basically it's the holy grail of time travel technology. Ooh. And it's all in Halleck Spencer's hands. Yes. He's winning. Screw you all, people. He heads back to the waiting room to find Ross Hawks, head of the legal department, who's surprised to see Hudson on the floor all dead and whatnot. <laughs> Turns out that Boone Hudson's one of the founders of Past Incorporated, who was actually Ooh, fired. Really? Who was fired oh, okay. 15 years ago. When Halleck asks why he was fired, Hawks tells him it was because Hudson wasn't doing his job, because he kept getting distracted with the personal project he was working on involving matter transference. Okay, this is very short-sighted of the company. <laughs> but anyway, continue. Fortunately, since the police haven't arrived yet, Halleck decides to take an early lunch. He heads out of the building and goes straight to the home of Boone Hudson, the angry old man. Like a creeper, he walks around the quiet suburban house. Like a thief, <laughs> he goes inside the unlocked front door. And like a pervert, he searches every room. <laughs> Hudson clearly lived alone since the place is filthy, and he left no clues about his life, and not even a lab full of notes and not crazy. Not even. Not even a... Not even a crazy room full of crazy. <laughs> Halleck finds nothing of use and no clues and heads back to the office where Miss Crane reports that the police have already left and they were very nice. Wouldn't the police want to talk to him since he was there? You would think, yes. She also says that Mr. Garside, a.k.a. his boss, has called and Hawks from Legal and Mr. Snell from Public Relations are all looking for him. Halleck says he doesn't want to be disturbed and heads back to his office where he goes through Hudson's notes one more time and confirms that yes, it's all there. Everything. It's the holy grail of time travel. Ooh. And that's when Miss Crane reports that Garside, Hawks, and Mr. Snell from Public Relations are all there to see him. Ah, oh, more people. More problems. <laughs> more people, more problems. As Garside starts talking, Hawks interrupts him to say... You've managed to place us in a most embarrassing position. He didn't do anything. Oh, well, he didn't talk to old dude. Uh, and I think mostly Ravenholt. Oh. 
I know, Halleck admits. One of my men brought back a man from the past. Another man died in my office. <laughs> this is the worst day ever. And I forgot to be polite to a stuffed shirt who came charging in to help us run our business. <laughs> you seem, said Garside, to be taking it all quite lightly. Perhaps I do, said Halleck. Let's put it slightly stronger. I just don't give a damn. <laughs> and so the conversation turns to Ravenholt, with Snell reporting that they have to go through with Project God, in part because it's in the public interest. Why? No, it really isn't. And also because otherwise people will accuse them of being atheists. Af oh, my. Afraid to prove the existence of God. Mm-hmm. Because that's what they're going to find in the past, that all religions are true. <laughs> all of them. All of them. <laughs> Halleck asks if they've already decided to go ahead with Project God anyways, despite his refusal. And Garside says, yes, they have to. <laughs> Ridiculous. Well, Halleck replies, it's all in your laps now. You figure out the answers. I quit, because I definitely don't have a side project I'm going to start. But it's your department, someone protests. Not anymore, it isn't. Oh, uh, I quit. I've just quit the job. Yes. You called it. Garside protests, but Halleck is firm, saying, I've decided that I somehow have to stop you. I cannot allow you to go ahead with Project God. I warn you, if, if you do, that I shall discredit you. Oh. And meanwhile, I'm planning to go into business for myself. Ha <laughs> ha. I wonder if we had to sign some kind of, like, non-compete clause. I guess not. I guess they didn't think anyone else would be able to. Yeah, from the sound of it, they're the only game in town mm -hmm. for time travel. Got a monopoly. Mm -hmm. Time travel, perhaps, Garside said, mockingly. Obviously, I... what other competing... I had thought of it, Halleck replied. Snell grinned contemptuously. You can't even get a license. Oh, you have to be licensed, huh? I think I can, said Halleck. Oh, I guess, I bet that company also has a monopoly on sending up the licenses. <laughs> Garside got up from his chair. Well, you've had your little tantrum. When you cool down a bit, come up and talk to me. <laughs> wow. And so Garside, Snell, and Hawks all leave Halleck's office, convinced he hasn't actually just quit his job. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. But Halleck is triumphant, and he's already planning his new business thinking about all the money he's going to have to raise and all the technicians he's going to have to hire. Yeah, and figure out how to actually do build the uh, devices. But then a sudden thought occurs to him. So Halleck asks Miss Crane if Mr. Cabell, the job applicant, has come back yet, since he was told to come back in the afternoon. Miss <laughs> mm -hmm. Crane says no, and Halleck realizes exactly why. Do you remember that look, that disturbing look glimmering in Cabell's eyes? Yep. Quote, And now, all at once, Halleck knew that look for exactly what it was. It had been adulation. the kind, The kind of look that was... Constipation. Aw. The kind of look that was reserved for someone who had become a legend. You see, Halleck is now realizing this was all planned. People from the future must have figured out those equations to properly manipulate the past. And Cabell was from the future there to help create the living legend that he would become. That's a giant leap. There to witness the day the legend became a legend. Yeah, that's a kind of a giant leap of logic. 
Is it though? Yeah. He's got no evidence other than he's like, ooh, I'm pretty sure that look means this. Adulation. Adulation means time travel. What if there may be some other clues or hints towards that? I haven't heard them yet. Halleck orders Miss Crane to write him up a very formal resignation letter. Very formal. Not just kind of formal. When she asks the reason for his resignation, Halleck says... People, man. People (laughs) suck. You might say, I'm going into business for myself. You might say that. Quote, Had there been another time, he wondered, when it hadn't gone this way? Had there been a time when Hudson had gone in to see him and maybe he hadn't died at all? Had there been a time where he'd handed over the Hudson concept to Past Incorporated? So why was he so angry? The angry old man? Mm-hmm. Because he had to wait for yeah, so long. that's true. I'd be angry too. <laughs> so Halleck starts thinking, you know, Cabell had taken up that time that he could have used to see Hudson. But what else had taken up time that prevented him from seeing Hudson? Time. That's right. You remember. It was Miss Crane who specifically asked him to see Hudson first. And he generally always does the opposite of what she says. Quote, standing there, he thought of all the years that Miss Crane must have worked at it, conditioning him to the oh point. Oh my God, poor Miss Crane. Where she'd she be had the sure worst job ever. To do the exact opposite of what she urged. Miss Crane finishes typing up the resignation letter, then tells Halleck she has something else for him. I hope it's a punch in the face. <laughs> Why, it's Hudson's portfolio that she hid from the police. Quote, it would go so nicely with the other stuff you have. That you've stolen over the years. <laughs> a white rabbit with a pink bow around its neck hops across the office, and Miss Crane states that it's adorable. That's just a fact. Alex says, I was wondering, Miss Crane, if you'd like to come and work for me. I'll need a what? secretary. Why? He has no respect for this woman. No, she says, I'm getting old. I'm thinking of retiring. And I don't want to put up with your shit anymore. I think now that you are leaving, I shall just disappear. Ooh, into the future? But Miss Crane, I'll need you desperately. Is he going to start listening to her, or is he just like, I like someone who I do the exact opposite of what she suggests, even though it's completely logical? (laughs) One of these days soon, said Miss Crane, when you need a secretary... There will be an applicant. Oh my god. She'll wear a bright green dress, and she'll be wearing these new glasses, and be carrying a snow-white rabbit with a bow around its neck. (laughs) She may strike you as something of a hussy. That's very specific. But you hire her. Be sure you hire her. It's me. I'll remember, Spencer said. I'll be looking for her. I'll hire no one else. (laughs) She will not, warned Miss Crane, be a bit like me. Oh, that's like... She'll be much nicer. (laughs) Oh, Oh, please. She'll learn to be mean to this guy. He clearly doesn't respect his secretaries. (laughs) (laughs) And so we reach the final words of the story. And don't forget this, said Miss Crane, holding out the portfolio. He took it and headed for the door. At the door, he stopped and turned back to her. I'll be seeing you, he said. For the first time in 15 years, Miss Crane smiled at him. (laughs) wow because this is the last time she has to see him Mm. she's like yes i'm free that is a good reason so halleck spencer is going to become a living legend he's got the time travel holy grail Mm -hmm. that you can send people in the past and they won't age 
Yeah, that's better. Mm-hmm. And I assume they're not like physical entities in the past, so they can't affect the past. But that means they also can't steal objects from the past to yeah. support themselves. Although they can affect the past. And apparently they have some kind of algorithm, he's saying, to properly manipulate the past. Oh. And that's why Miss Crane was there. Hmm, poor Miss Crane. <laughs> Conditioning him all those years to do the opposite of whatever she said. I think that's in his nature. I don't think she had to do anything. That actually seems likely. Because <laughs> he was a misanthrope from the start. Oh yeah, it's just like people, they suck. He doesn't hate people because of her. He hates people because of people. Which is justified, I'd say. <laughs> like, he's not wrong. So that barbarian is still in the present. <laughs> he sure is. <laughs> All they have to do is just keep him drunk for a while until they send him back. I don't blame him for hitting his job when he quits and his boss doesn't believe him. It's a terrible boss. I know. I quit. Ha! You're hilarious. Come see me when you're less angry. See you angry. tomorrow. Later, buddy. Oh, you're adorable when you're angry. Come see me when you calm down. You're so emotional. Oh, you don't smile enough. Oh, you'd be prettier if you smiled. <laughs> And that was Gleaners by Clifford D. Simak. I kind of liked it. I thought it was kind of fun. Yeah, I liked how the whole thing took place in one day. Well, pretty yeah. much uh, from 9 a.m. till about 2 or 3 p.m. It sort of, it didn't do a lot of world building, but I still felt like you got a sort of sense of a little bit of the world. And the concept of a uh, actual corporation that's well, doing that's time I mean. travel. You don't really know the world, but... A small place in... I don't know what I'm saying. A single place in time. So Clifford D. Simak was born in 1904 and died in 1988. He worked full-time for the Minneapolis Star from 1939 until his retirement and became a full-time science fiction writer during that time. He was extremely prolific, wrote many, many, many books. Would you like to know more? Sure. Such as The Worlds of Clifford Simak, All Traps of Earth, The Night of the Poodly, <laughs> a couple collections of short stories, Time is the Simplest Thing, They Walk Like Men, ooh, that one sounds cool, All Flesh is Grass, Ew. The Werewolf Principle, like principle of a school, Prince- <laughs> nice, <laughs> and lots of other books. So this was the first Clifford Simak story I've ever read. And I think I'm going to read more. Yeah, like I feel like that was a pretty decent story. Mm-hmm. This has been the Everett Book Club. You can visit us online at www.everettbookclub.com. Or email us at everettbookclub at hotmail.com. We have the Facebook group of Everett Book Club. And our Twitter is at Everett Book Club. But mostly our Instagram. Always our Instagram. Now, Everett spelled E-V-E-R-R... Nope. E-V-E-R-E-T-T. R-R-R. R-R-R. If you or your organization are building an artificial <laughs> intelligence, Marguerite and I are available to administer Turing tests. Please note, there's no guarantee of accuracy, efficacy, or professionalism. And if you know of any secondhand bookstores that deserve some love, email us and we'll give them a shout-out. So, Marguerite, want to take a ride on the earth shaft? That's not the first time you've asked me that. I was thinking that we can get on board the earth core elevator, but then get out halfway to take a look at the earth's core. I don't think the entity that lives at the center of the earth is going to like that. Her name is Vishnu, and she won't. 
I'll get the arsenal ready then, but no flamethrower because she's basically made of fire. I think we're going to get along great. <laughs> I think this is going to be dangerous. I definitely think it'll be dangerous. Aw, oh, man. Woohoo! The first time we've met an actual deity. I'm so excited. 